You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. What are the ingredients that make up a healthy human body? What are the ingredients that make up a healthy family culture? That's what we're gonna be talking about today on this powerful episode of The Model Health Show. Because the ingredients for making up humans has changed dramatically in the last few decades. And also the ingredients that make up our family recipe or our family culture has changed dramatically in the last few decades as well. And we've got some profound data indicating some simple changes that we can make in our family culture and also what we're feeding ourselves that can lead to incredible benefits for our health and really start to shift the epidemics, the multiple epidemics of chronic illnesses. According to the CDC, 60% of American adults now have at least one chronic disease. 40% have two or more chronic diseases. So poor health has been normalized. It's the norm now. If you're healthy today in the United States, you are not normal, you're not in the norm. And so we can shift this, we can create a tipping point to normalize health. And I believe that we're much closer than we think. And this information today is coming straight from the new Eat Smarter Family Cookbook. And today I had the tables turned on me and somebody who's been such an incredible friend and supported my work for many, many years from the beginning is going to be interviewing me and you're going to be able to hear some of the most incredible insights from this new project that I've been working on diligently. Now, I've been in this field for over 21 years now and this is really the culmination of all of that work and the tens of thousands of hours spent in research, in teaching, in filming the Model Health Show, for example, and also writing these incredible books and this is my third major project with the Eat Smarter Family Cookbook and I'm very, very happy and, and proud to be able to say that. But most importantly, I feel this burning desire within my spirit to utilize this as a launching pad to truly create a movement for family wellness, to truly create new conditions for our future generations to grow up in. We've got to start now. And so this is why I'm so passionate about this project is that it's so much more than a cookbook, which by the way, we're about that life. When it comes to food, we love delicious things, All right, We're big foodies. And so that's one of the most powerful ways to create change is to invite people in, provide incredible food experiences, make this about joy and love and celebration and connection. And we can do this while providing, by the way, this is the first time this has ever been done. This is the first cookbook that is so data-driven. There's over 250 scientific references in a cookbook. It's never been done before, but in a way that we do it, you know how we do it, in a way that's entertaining, enlightening, fun, empowering, and also the fact that this is a cookbook, it is so beautiful. The layout of the book, it is really brought to life. The images jump off the page. The food is out of this world delicious. And this week is very special because this is the week that the Eat Smarter Family Cookbook is getting released nationwide to bookstores everywhere. So right now, you have a small amount of time left to be one of the first to get it. Reserve your copy. Head over to 
Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble. Reserve your copy. Go to eatsmartercookbook.com and you'll still have time to get hooked up with the incredible pre-order bonuses if you're listening to this episode as soon as it comes out, by the way, because the new book is coming this week and I need you to be ready because we are on a mission. This is about sparking a movement for family wellness. And so make sure to be ready to run out, get your copy, support this movement. If the Model Health Show has been of value in your life, this is my one ask is to go and get your copy of the Eat Smarter Family Cookbook for yourself. It's going to be a staple in your kitchen. I know it. I've already seen it. The people that have gotten early copies of the book is just staying in there. All right. It is so wonderful. And also, there's going to be a wonderful gift to share with the people that you care about to provide, yes, the education, yes, the empowerment, but also delicious food experiences. So eatsmartercookbook.com and, of course, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, your favorite bookstore, retailer. You can go there online, reserve your copy. And if you're listening to this after 10 out of 10, 10 head over to your favorite bookstore, online or in person, get your copy today, support this movement. And without further ado, let's get to our Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Great Resource by Joy1904. Thank you very much for this great resource. I stumbled upon this podcast a few days ago and I can't believe the great nuggets it contains. I started from the first issue and I'm taking notes as I binge listen. Amazing, I love that so much. Thousands of folks every month go back and start from episode one of the Model Health Show and journey all the way with us through this incredible process and all of these amazing world-changing guests that we've had, experts in their respective fields and all the incredible master classes that are just absorbing all of that powerful information. And I am so honored. Thank you so much for making me a part of your life. And without further ado, let's get to this incredible episode of the Model Health Show. Interviewing me is going to be New York Times bestselling author, Shalene Johnson. She is actually a Guinness World Record holder for the most fitness DVDs out there in circulation. All right, so she set that record long ago and she's really been an icon in health and fitness and really family culture as well. And she's been such a big supporter of my work and I'm so honored that she sat me down and interviewed me about these incredible topics. And so we're gonna be talking about the psychological barriers that make junk food so appealing. We're gonna be diving into transformative power that's found in family meals and the science behind that. Even how to deal with picky eaters. We're gonna be talking about how to create a healthy microculture and a lot more. Let's dive into this amazing conversation with the tables turned on me, interviewed by my friend, New York Times bestselling author, Shalene Johnson. Sean Stevenson joins me today. He is the host of The Model Health Show, a number one, often number one, top-ranked health podcast. You can check him out also on YouTube or whatever audio podcast app you like to listen to. Sean is just like one of those super awesome, dope people who is cool, but also obsessed with science, obsessed with kind of like up-leveling and helping other people do exactly that. So whether it's relationships, mindset, your body, your your family, the way that you sleep, the way that you eat, he's the guy you wanna to listen to. Uh, you probably have heard me talk about him endlessly, like Sleep Smarter was a game changer for me because I read that book about the same time I realized, oh wow, 
I need to change the way that I sleep. And most of the advice out there just, it didn't work for me, it didn't feel practical. He followed that up with another great book that just became another number one seller, and that is Eat Smarter. And not only do I love him, but I love his wife. I love their kids. They're so fun, they're so dope. And today we are just sitting down to talk about that, like how to up-level your family culture, how to get healthier, how to, how do you improve not just your health, but like how do you do this for your whole family? And more than just um, food and nutrition and exercise, like what does it mean to have a healthy family? So without further ado, I welcome to the show, my friend, Sean Stevenson. Oh my goodness, that's so awesome. Thank you so much. So thanks for letting <laughs> me use your studio to bring you on to talk about a topic that's like super, um, really important to both of us. I wanna lead off with your definition of a healthy family. Mm, How do wow. you know if you have a healthy family? Wow, what a question to start with. <laughs> You know, the first thing, obviously, well, maybe it's not so obvious, mm. is that it's going to be unique. Mm. No family is the same. And, but within that, of course, there are some core ingredients to okay. what a healthy family looks like. And, you know, some of the core pieces would be connection, mm. you know, and we say words like this, but like, what does that actually mean? This means being able to have this uh, availability, you know, there's a statement that's seek first to understand and then to be understood, yes. right? So uh, an atmosphere of understanding, an atmosphere of curiosity, an atmosphere, and some of these words might sound, sound a little bit like some tough words, but an atmosphere of patience okay, and an atmosphere of growth as well, accountability, um, challenge, because another thing that is not talked about in the context of relationships, like we think this is the notebook. You know, this is not that. Real relationships, long-term healthy relationships are going to incite challenge. It's gonna incite conflict. And so the ability also, of course, to navigate those challenges and those conflicts with an air of love underpinning it, you know? And so um, another core ingredient would be affection. And okay. affection comes in different packages as well, but we all require closeness, you know, uh, touch, proximity. And, you know, it's going to be different depending on different people. You know, I even have different levels of affection and connection with my different family kids. members, yeah, you yeah. know, with my kids. You know, me and my older son is more like, there's a lot of <laughs> muscles involved in the in a hug, you know what I and mean? And a lot of dancing. And a lot of dancing, right? And, um, you know, we're def definitely quick to like link up on a dance move, you okay. know, whereas my younger son, you know, we're very much more like close and kind of like huggy like feet on him he's he's 12 okay. he just turned 12. and jordan and just turned 22 today 23 today 23 the jordan today. year it's the oh jordan my year gosh. and um you know same thing my wife comes from a culture where affection was kind of non-existent okay you know it's um like she didn't see her her father and mother like ever hug did or you that kind of stuff uh, yeah, in spots. Okay. In spots. My, I had a model of my grandmother and grandfather. They were very okay. loving. Well, that's why right. I wanted to walk you back. And, you, you know, so you've, and I don't want to stop you. If, if you, there's more mm -hmm. um, elements that you think are part of a healthy family, because what yeah. you haven't mentioned is anything about weight or exercise or food. Yeah. Are those included? That part, yeah. So yeah. even with that, there's. It, but I love that you started with like, yeah. like the emotional stuff first. Yeah. That, that's the stuff that influences those other things. Okay. You know, and the, the crazy thing is we try to address the other things first yeah. and then try to have healthier relationships. Dude, right. 
And, you know, again, like this, these kind of misconceptions can happen to any of us, but I've really found, I've been in the field right now, I'm about to cross 21 years uh, this month. And so early on, of course, I was like, this is the way, whether it's like through food, whether it's through exercise, sleep obviously is a big part. All these things affect our health, but it's our relationships first and the quality of those affect everything else. And this isn't just hearsay, by right. the way. One of my colleagues who's sitting right in that chair that you're sitting in, he's the director of the longest running longitudinal study. This means they follow you around, basically, <laughs> right? On human longevity and wellness okay. yeah. ever constructed. It's been about, it's been over 80 years and it's had multiple directors. He's the latest to get the torch passed to him. And their data, and again, even him, he's very skeptical, which I love that in a scientist to be skeptical. Yeah. He couldn't believe their own data that had been compiled. And so he had to kind of retest things, outsource, check in with other researchers. But their data affirmed that the quality of your relationships is the number one influence on how long you're going to live. I need to unpack that. And I'm going to. So I'm going to write myself a little note because hashtag ADHD. (laughs) Did you have a household where people, you felt understood, where you felt connected, where people were present, where, where there was patience? I feel like my life was a big experiment. You know, um, is that there, is the answer no? There's a statement that God doesn't call the qualified; God qualifies the called. Mm, right. So life was hello. kind of qualifying me to do what I'm doing today, yeah. and this was regardless of what I thought my life was going to be. I grew up in two very different atmospheres. Uh, my mom had me when she was barely 18 years old. Okay. If you see my birth certificate at my house, there's no father's name there. And it wasn't immaculate conception, you know, mm-hmm. from, from what mm-hmm. I've seen. <laughs> but, you know, I've never met my biological father. Okay. And so, but my I, my stepfather came into the picture when I was just a baby. I was oh, okay. just under a year when they got together. Mm-hmm. And so I had that aspect of of a lifestyle with my mother and stepfather, but that was drugs, alcohol, inner city, violent environment. That's what that environment looked like. And when I I would go to stay at their house, because I'm gonna tell you about the other environment. Yeah. But to stay at their apartment on the weekends, I would be sleeping on the floor. There's like mouse traps, you know, mice, all the things. My mom worked at a convenience store overnight to, you know, just again, to put food on the table. My stepfather was a chef and Working at the convenience store, one of those evenings, she was stabbed eight times, you know. Uh, I never knew off. this. Yeah, and I've got t- tons of stories like this, but even within that, by the way, a little sidebar. Um, you were she, how old when that happened? I was about six. Yeah, Damn. I was about six years old. And even within that, you know, she was defend- fending off somebody trying to rob the store. Okay. And that's just kind of, my mom is really She's different. badass. She's tough, like different. And so, but they actually, she restrained the guy and the police got her. But anyways, but when After she- After being stabbed? Eight times. And so- She's- When she went to the hospital and they gave her the stitches and all the things, her physician told her that if you weren't so overweight, you would have died. <gasps> your, you being a heavy set woman saved your life. Do you think she's ever going to let that weight go? It protected her, just saved her life. And so this kind of like- Did it's that one message of those impact you? Like, was there a way, like, were you forming a belief about weight from that incident? I mean, I know you're young. Of course, there's these subconscious things. You know, of course, like, I'm, I'm glad that she survived that and that she did have that extra, whatever that looks like. But 
this is going to branch out after I tell you this other side mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to my my entire and I'm not I'm not exaggerating not one family member in proximity not just my nuclear family but branching out without one chronic disease or more all right and that's mm-hmm. what really what I grew up in and so I had that environment and at the same time going to school from kindergarten till second grade and also I stayed there a lot previously just because sometimes my mom didn't have a place to stay right and so I would live with my grandmother okay and this was you know I still remember the address you know this uh, it was a very nice part of town okay and I walked one block to my school to the local school there was so much certainty and safety and routine you know she would say prayers together with me each night mm. you know she would basically I had my own little table and chairs to like sit and have my dinner wow and you know I had opportunity to you know all everything that I could imagine for for how many years for three years like really strong years but these were like very impressionable years like really? I remember yeah. so much of this wow and but within that I also saw the relationship between her and my grandfather and there was so much love I never saw them I never saw a conflict. Not to say they didn't have it, sure. but there was just this underpinning of love and affection. And she had so much of that for me. That's where I got it. My mother, I can't remember my mother hugging me until I was an adult. Not to say that she didn't. Not to say that she it's didn't. It happened every now and then like some random thing. But you know, my grandmother, she was very affectionate towards me and just made me feel loved and seen. And if you had to pick one word to describe what you felt um, in that home, not from her, but in that home, what's the word or emotion you felt in your grandmother's home? Important. I felt important. That gave me goosebumps. Yeah. What one word would you use to describe the way you felt in your home with your mom and stepfather? Scared. <gasps> yeah. Does has that influenced the way you parent? Of course, it hasn't. You, it, it has no choice but to. And I didn't realize this early on. Of course. You just start to replicate things that you experience from your you environment. You saying you felt scared makes me want to cry. Yeah, I mean, that's just the environment that I was in, you know. And um, again, but he, even within this, this is what people don't understand if they don't come from where I come from. Mm-hmm. There was also so much beauty in this environment as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is real talk. You know, there were times we live in places where, you know, there's gunshots, there's a chance to drive by if you're just outside playing. Um, Where'd you grow up? All over St. Louis, okay. which St. Louis, even today, unfortunately, is the murder capital of the United wow. States. All right, and so, and also just losing family members as well to to you know murder, prison, all those things, and there's a high likelihood that I'm following in those footsteps, being in this environment, because eventually, like, why did I move back with my mother at yeah. third grade? It's because my my grandfather kept having uh, heart issues, mm. and so they moved back to his hometown. Southern Missouri, far away, that kind of thing. It was like a choice that was made between my mother and my grandmother for me to move back in with my mother. And so, but anyways, even within that environment where it's just like so much uncertainty, yeah, there's also a lot of love as well. And also, by the way, we were getting food from charities, like there's a place called the Hosea House, you know, food stamp, wick, all this stuff. Wow, again, my mom, they're trying to make ends meet. Mm. And, but this brought about this level of creativity being in this environment. So people see this kind of stuff like little, maybe in a movie, like putting the crate up on the pole to play basketball. Yeah, no, yeah. like we did that shit, yeah. like for real. And creating all these different games and finding creative ways to bond with our community, being able to be creative even with our food. And one of my most 
beautiful memories because my stepfather just passed away just a couple weeks ago, actually. And he was in assisted living for almost 15 years because of brain damage from drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. And we this was during the crack epidemic. Next door to that place that I'm describing, there was a crack spot. Just literally there was a walkway and then that's where it's getting made and sell, sold from. And so, but anyways, one of my fondest memories was all we had in the in the refrigerator, we had some pasta sauce was sitting on the shelf. Okay. Like some ragu or whatever it was. <laughs> and there was some frozen deer sausage from that my grandfather had hunted Venison. and sent in the freezer. Okay. There was some government cheese, right? So they had block cheese. And there was some Texas toast that we got from the WIC program. And my stepfather made pizzas out of that. Wow. One day. Like we didn't have anything. We're like, you know, we're hungry, you know, like we don't have anything to eat. And he whipped that up. That's and, crazy. That's a core memory for you. And it didn't, here, let's be clear. It didn't taste like Domino's. Right. But the fact that it was pizza. Yeah, it was pizza. We called it pizza. The fact that we ate it together. Yeah. Right? It was just because kids love that. Like, I love pizza. And like, we made it. We got to have that. And I got this experience of this person making something out of nothing. And that skill, that, that character trait, that inciting of creativity came from that environment as well. How old were you when you, like... Do you remember looking around and going like, this is not healthy. These people aren't healthy. These people are, are ridden with disease. I want to do different. I'm going to do different. At what age do you remember thinking that? I consciously knew that I was not going to be like this. Ah. I consciously knew that I wasn't going to create an atmosphere of fear for my children. I, con mm -hmm. I consciously knew that I was going to make a difference in the world. I didn't know what that was though. But these are the seeds that were planted for my grandmother and watered by my mother as well, you know, because despite all of that stuff, my mother really busted her ass to put me in position, you know, trying to get me into good schools, that kind of thing, you know? So it's just like, but I could, I could say, ignore that part and just talk about all the bad stuff, mm. but that creates suffering for me. Right. You know, she was doing the best that she could with what she had. And the same yeah. thing with my stepfather. Yeah. You know, I just shared one of those core memories. It's such a beautiful experience that he gave me and he gave me so many memories like that yes there was a lot of negative things that happened but i get to choose what i carry with me yeah got a quick break coming up we'll be right back one of the major reasons that people give for not being able to cook home cook meals on a consistent basis is not having the energy to do it energy can be one of our greatest assets and it can also be one of our greatest deficiencies obviously our lifestyle factors play a huge role in the availability that we have to access energy. But there are a few recent discoveries that are adding to the energy equation like few things ever have. Numerous studies, including a study published by the Federation of American Societies for Experimental Biology or the FACIB Journal, found that exogenous ketones can be up to 28% more efficient in generating energy than glucose alone. If this is about cognitive function, if this is about energy, you've got to utilize these ketones, but not just any run-of-the-mill ketone esters that had its time in the sun, but something far better has been brought to the world by HVMN. Go to hvmn.com forward slash model, and you're going to get 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ. Ketone IQ is now clinically proven to improve our cognitive performance and also bolster our energy for sports performance. In fact, studies have found up to 15% increased mean power output after recovery 
by utilizing ketones. And the bioavailability of Ketone IQ is in a league of its own. Check out Ketone IQ today. Go to hvmn.com forward slash model for 30% off your first subscription order. Now back to the show. You are like one of the most researched people I've ever met. Like it's fascinating how your brain works. It's fascinating to just think, to hear your story of like how you grew up and the influences you had and how you, how people probably expected you to, things to turn out for you, yeah. right? And thank you for maintaining your edge too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're not like your typical science looking dude. Thank and um, I think that's part of the appeal. I know it is, right? Yeah. And also that voice that you use, like it's like slow jams, 98.9. Uh, <laughs> Quiet storm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, you and your show, like you, you really talk about, again, like the science and studies and you break all this stuff down, you make it really palatable. People can consume it and understand it. And, and you, you don't always take a, a stance. It's like, I'm just going to lay this out for you and it should be pretty obvious. What is it, though, that um, makes family such an important piece? Like this latest book that you've written is about family. You could have written a book about any like weight loss and it's like a guaranteed number one bestseller, right? You wrote a book about family, about connection, about food, about like how to do this together. Um, and, and I think it's really interesting to hear your own backstory. But what you're taking on is so intensely difficult to change the way families eat and why is, what is it that motivates you to do this? All right, so just even that lead in that it is incredibly difficult, Yeah. right? That's attractive in and of itself for me, oh, my personality okay. type, but also the fact that, you know, in all my years, the clinical work, all the speaking, all the teaching, all the writing of books, I saw that this was the biggest leverage point because both you and I have tried to, and, and successfully in many rights, but get people to target behavior changes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Do this to get this result. Yeah. But what we don't realize a lot of times and why we blame other people when, they not, when they're not able to do the thing or they're not sustain it is that if you give people a behavior change and then they go into an environment that is anti that behavior, right, right, right. right the culture is completely opposite or even inundating them with behaviors that make that behavior change even foolish or you know whatever the case might be it's very difficult to make a healthy change in a culture that is unhealthy well you say culture but like it's even difficult in your own home that's what i'm talking about specifically okay let's talk about culture all right yeah, okay. so what is culture yeah what is right? culture culture is defined as the attitudes values beliefs behaviors of a group of people that's then passed on from one generation to the next okay all right, that's what culture is defined as. Now we have macro cultures and we have micro cultures. The macro culture in the United States, currently we are the sickest society in the history of humanity. Isn't that just history. like ridiculous? And by the way, let me this, I'm just gonna throw, rattle out these facts. Okay, so right. CDC's data published just last year, 2022, 60% of Americans now have at least one chronic disease, 40% have two or more. We're knocking on the door of, right? This, we just passed prior to the pandemic, 42.5% of Americans being overweight or obese, I'm sorry, clinically obese, and 72% being overweight or obese. 
Uh, 130 million Americans having type 2 diabetes, pre-diabetes. 60% of Americans have some degree of heart disease. 100 million plus Americans regularly sleep deprived. I can go on and on and on. Right. We're not doing well. No, we're not. But that is the larger culture scape. And we both have spent a lot of time trying to change that. Yeah. Right? Don't go to the drive-thru. But the drive-thru just is. It's a thing. And it's going to exist. Where we have real power is our microculture and what we do within our household. Okay. But even that starts with a cultural shift within ourselves. Because we ourselves are a, are a cultural vessel. Because what I saw, and even just recently, taking my family to a place we've never been before, we went to Maui, we went to Hawaii. Yeah. And I saw that when you go somewhere, you take your culture with you. I'm a reflection of my culture. So you can plant me anywhere, and I'm going to be an example or a model of where I come from. And that is infectious also. Yeah, yeah. True story, literally, even when we were sitting on the plane and people were walking by and they're just like, your family is so beautiful, you know? Yeah. Just like, because they saw us hanging out, I guess, before we got on the plane. Yeah, but you know what, uh, I'm just sorry to interrupt your story, but you know what people see that's so beautiful is how connected you guys are. I mean, you're, yeah, you're good looking people, stop bragging. But it's not that, because you see good looking families and they yeah. don't grab your attention that way. Like, I mean, you guys are um, an anomaly how, how connected you are. Continue. Thank you. And I didn't even think about the, the like appearance part yeah. of it. I thought about the connected. You did. Part. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was the word she Humble. used. And I yeah. just, oh, <laughs> we just talked. About you guys are all, all very good looking. That doesn't hurt either. But yeah, it's that you, it's rare. You, yeah. and when you do see it, it kind of like grabs your attention because people are so disconnected in, from their families. You know, yeah. mom and dad are looking down at their phones and the kids are you yeah. know on their iPads and with headphones on. Yeah, we saw that and in Maui. Matter of fact, for whatever reason, we kept seeing the same couple when we go out to eat okay. at the resort restaurant. And I'm not exaggerating. Every time, we probably saw them four times for four meals and they would be some proximity to us. They didn't even look at each other. They were just on their phone. They ate their food. Yep. Even eating, they were looking at their phone. This couple, and they were probably like in their late 20s. Wow. And I was just like, wow, that's a real thing. Yeah. And, you know, but okay, of course, I'm, I I try to see the positive stuff. I'm just like, well, at least they're here. You know, they got to walk together or whatever. Like, but at the same time, it's just like we are, we are experiencing something that is very disruptive to connection. Right. We've never had this kind that's of access to technology. So true. And so I was saying that point to say that even there, people were coming up to us at the resort as we're hanging out. But now that you even just said that, it's because we were... Like we were playing, we were in a spirit mm. of play. We were mm -hmm. like, we were connected. That's really what it was. Yeah. People aren't coming over like, how oh, your son get these muscles, you know? But <laughs> they might be curious about that. Because Jordan but, was flexing. I mean, he can't help it. Yeah. You know, he's a flexitarian. Yeah, he's he's he has the we're ability to flex. We're gonna call him Mr. Thirst Trap. <laughs> okay. And we're gonna he put we're gonna that. put a little clip of him right here, and we're gonna give him a little Instagram shout out. Okay, continue. You're welcome, son. You're welcome. <laughs> So, you know, again, we, we take our culture with us. We are a product of our environment, absolutely, but yeah. we're also creators of our environment. Okay. And so now here's the other part. As I went to that culture in Maui, I saw something on display that was affirmed in all the studies that are in this new book. And by the way, when you talk about the science, there's never been a, a cookbook like this before. There's over 250 scientific references in a cookbook. That's crazy. Directing us towards like, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. But going there, we see this kind of dramatization of something that was a part of all of our heritage. For them, it's a luau, right? Yeah. It's the procurement of food, the hunting, the gathering, the food preparation, and the celebration together. 
Yeah. We evolved with that. Yeah. That's how humans evolved. And so to see it on display and this kind of, again, dramatization of this thing that has been pulled away from our culture. And so my question was this, could this process of eating together be something that our genes need, that our DNA expects from us that's possibly leading to the behaviors that we're doing and the mm -hmm. poor health outcomes? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is where everything changed. By me asking that question, that sent me down to, you know, like I mentioned, my friend who's the director of that long running longitudinal study yeah. with, with health, some other researchers at Harvard compiled all this data on eating behaviors, families eating together and health outcomes. Okay. And I was like, when I first when I saw it, I'm like, how is this not like everywhere? This is really, people should know this, but, I, but it's I like there was a lot of stuff. We do know it. I we mean, do know it, We right? do know it. Yeah. And and so, you know, that's the, that's the thing. Like you talk about a culture, right? And you know, it starts with us. But Sean, there's so many homes and I mean, I have close friends where there's two cultures within the home. Mom and sometimes dad are doing something completely different from their kids. Like mom and dad are eating green salads and, and avoiding processed foods. And then they're buying all the things that, you know, you talk about right. this in the book, the things that have the cartoons on the box and because they, their kids want it. And they want it, so we're going to give it to them. And yeah. we're, we feel disconnected to, I think, our kids in so many other ways. Or, you know, maybe it's a blended family and we're not seeing our kids all the time. So we just feel like I want to give them all that they want because this is love. That's number one. And number two, I want to say this. This is speaking from personal experience. I sometimes, if I'm being honest, would live vicariously through what my kids got to eat. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. eat that. Yeah. But like their metabolisms are through the roof. You know, they've, they've got abs and they're running around like crazy. So I desperately want to eat these, you know, uh, pink. My downfall with those pink cookies that had like little sprinkles on top. They're like cake cookies at like Ralph's, you know, the mm -hmm. ones I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I, I buy those about. every week for my kids. I did. Yeah. And those are garbage. That's garbage food. <laughs> that is crap. Yeah. And I would buy it for them because I was like, they can eat. I was living vicariously through them. So that was like a splintered culture within my home. And I think this is happening a lot. So how do you, how do you, how do you get us? I'm going to throw myself into that, you know, this yeah. pot. Like, how do you get us to understand, like, it needs to change through for the whole family? Yeah. Well, the, the cool thing about this is that I'm not speaking about this through some idealistic lens. I'm, I'm speaking about this from where I, I've experienced this. Yeah. I have this very unique experience growing up in two distinctly different households. Yeah. And within one of those, although this one looks like the more this kind of more structure and, you know, health health affirming, but my my grandmother was giving me those they weren't eating that at the time. Oh. She was giving me those ultra processed foods because she wanted me to be happy. Yeah. Right? So I know what that's like. And so, but here's the reality. She is the queen of the culture. She's the queen of the culture. Yes. All right. You see, that, you already yes. know where I'm going. And so this is un this is where we put the power back in our hands. But we have to be more intentional about the culture that we're creating, regardless of where you are right now with the ages of your kids. You are still a benevolent leader. Benevolent. And, yeah. You could be benevolent dictator, but you have so much influence. Know your kids. Right. Being mm. able to pay attention to mm. what excites them. Yeah. And what de-excites them. What motivates them? We were talking about this when we were doing my show. Yeah. 
um, what motivates them. We know those things, but sometimes because we just want people to do what we want them to do, yes. we don't we don't take the time to just like pay attention and yes. to be able to communicate. And we do this also with our significant others as well. If you would just act right, don't kill my vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, then everything's gonna be good. But people are not going to do what you want them to do all the time. Right, which is so. why in the book you talk about, and I. I it reminded me a lot of it's just your through line of everything you do which is like it's it's attainable like yeah. that's why sleep smarter work for me that's why eat smarter works for people um and you talk about in the book how like don't flip everything upside down all you're going to get is everybody to revolt and like running at you with pitchforks yeah like don't do that so give me a specific like my kid loves and it's gonna throw a fit if tomorrow morning they don't get their sugary cereal. I can't come home with something, you know, that's the healthy version of that. Yeah. How, how, what do I do if, if they just won't eat then? I, I heard from so many people, they're like, please ask him, how do I handle my picky eater? I'm gonna talk about the biggest factor with this. Mm -hmm. Cravings are cultural. What your kid eats is based on the culture that they're exposed to. They're not going to crave something that they're unaware of. And so mm. it's the introduction of these things mm -hmm. in the first place that we have to take responsibility for. We can't just say that it's someone else's fault. We are creating these kind of um, these connections and they're very strong neuro associations that we have to food. One of my other kind of base food memories was my great grandmother. She made me a bowl of Fruity Pebbles. Oh, I yeah. I was probably like four years old, four or five years old. You just let them soak until the milk turns it pink. Right now, <laughs> I could taste it. All right. And again, it's laying down. Guess what? I want more of that. Yes. That is that is chemically designed by brilliant food scientists to create that kind of connection to my brain, to my physiology, yeah. to make me crave this thing. And it's so ab abnormal. It's just nothing real about it right. at all. Right. This is the definition of an ultra processed food. Yeah. And so first of all, we've got to have some compassion for ourselves, Okay. but also responsibility. The compassion is you're not alone. My book is the first published piece of work demonstrating this new study that just came out. This was published in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association. They looked at the diets of American children in the past about 20 years, mm -hmm. from 1999 to 2018. Okay. In 1999, the average American child's diet was made of 61% ultra-processed fake food. 61%, okay. By 2018, that number was 67.5%. Almost 70% of our child's diet here it's in the United fake. States is made of fake food, ultra-processed food. And what does that mean? This is not like processing. Humans have been processing food forever. Yeah. It's not like taking meat and cooking it or olives and pressing yeah. the oil out. Yeah. This is a field of corn or wheat eventually becoming that bowl of Lucky Charms or Fruity Pebbles in my right. food Pink memory sugar coated. All of those Whatever's. chemicals, food dyes, preservatives, additives, the whole nine. Like, I get this. I think anyone who's listening, like, they're like, I know this, I know this, no, I know this. They... What responsibility do we have to be the parent? Okay. Last point with that was we don't know that our kids are addicted. We're, we're mm -hmm. little addicts, all mm -hmm. right? And big addicts. This stuff is very, very powerful. Yeah. So trying to rip the Band-Aid off is not the solution either. Okay. We've got to understand what we're dealing with here. This is a very strong neuroassociation, our connection to food. So with that said, you just said another kind of key phrase, which is, I don't have time for this. Yep. 
That's what I was starting with. And I was trying to set the story of like, this. these are the conditions that we're dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty dire and complicated, but at its core, it's something that we oftentimes don't want to deal with. It's That's right. hard. That's right. It's hard, but it's you get to choose your heart. Mm -hmm. You could suffer your way into changes in culture and body change and different health practices. Sure. But it's very difficult to sustain, sustain something that you hate. Right. All right. We crave what we're exposed to. Cravings are cultural. Okay. Right. Knowing yeah, our yeah. child. Yeah. Number one, a huge leverage point is we like options, but not yes. too many. Okay. All right. So if you're just like, I'm taking your cereal away. And you get and, this. And you get this, right? Instead, you come in with an option, right? Come to the table Smart. with options, but also speaking to where they are. You know, what, what is attractive to your child? And I remember, you know, my, bro my little brother, my little sister, you know, coming from this environment, <laughs> it was maybe like, I don't know, maybe like 15 years ago, I went over to his house and I just transformed my health. I was helping all these people now. And we were standing outside, you know, yeah. it's kind of, you know, still tough vibes, you know, and, uh, you know, tough guy vibes. Right, right, and he was right. like, I heard you eating organic. organic. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, you know, basically I eat the same thing you do is just not spray with pesticides and fungicides and herbicides. And you yeah. know, I shared a little bit like, you know, these are very whatever. And he just kind of looked like, but that's healthy food though, right? Like he, for him, it's like, it can't be as good as what I'm eating because Absolutely. it's yeah. organic, that's right. right? So it's a mindset. It's a mindset. Right. And because also we've been inundated with ultra processed food, all of our advertising that triggers the deliciousness, yeah. the pizza pulling in the commercial, you know, the alcohol, all those every commercial you see is for ultra processed foods. That's right. Right. We don't have there's not like a omelet commercial. You know what I mean? It's just like we've got to understand what we're dealing with. But in, let me give you an example. So humans have been driven to eat sweet things forever, but we villainize our desire for sweet things. It's its very silly. And I'm saying this because, for example, what that would indicate through our evolution is that there's a dense source of energy here in this sweet thing, which would generally be honey or mm. sweet fruit or yeah. even semi-sweet fruits. Mm -hmm. And also that's energy to shuttle to the brain and to also stockpile some energy potentially if we come across a, fa a famine. And so we've evolved with these drives to eat sweet things. But yes, food manufacturers have manipulated that desire today but are those is our desire for sweetness bad absolutely not as a matter of fact honey which i just mentioned and i shared over 40 specific foods that have all of this science to affirm this i'm very bullish on honey right now mm -hmm. because there's so many different sweeteners out there and they go in and out of favor yeah. the debates of artificial and even natural ones yeah. quote natural ones that still look like sugar by the way processed mm -hmm. sugar mm -hmm. but i shared a study in the book that found that not only does honey not cause this abnormal glucose spike like other sweeteners, but long-term, it can actually improve your fasting blood glucose by eating honey. That's abnormal for a sweetener. Why would it do that? Also uh, dramatically improving blood lipids, so blood fats, and essentially reducing your risk of cardiovascular disease. To call honey a sweetener is it's like put some respect on my name right? it's like it's not it's not just a sweetener yeah. it's so much more than that yeah and it's been prized for thousands of years so honey for example like getting your kid to switch from whatever it is that they're using like sugar on top of their cereal to honey maybe mom's doing that like but how do we get this culture in the family 
together. Like, again, I think oftentimes mom or dad are doing something that's healthier than what they're doing for their kids. Yeah. The most important thing here, and you talked about this when I interviewed you as well, is the modeling. And yeah. where do you kid? Where do your kids actually get to see you doing these things? Even when we're working on our fitness, a lot of times it's like my mom is going to this gym place mm. and she's doing stuff. She comes back all sweaty and happier. Like, where is she really going? You know? Yeah. Instead of like, let's involve our kids in some aspects of this. Give them okay. exposure. Where do we get this exposure with food? It's at the dinner table. And by the way, when I say dinner table, this could be breakfast. This could be lunch. But what I was sharing earlier was we evolved eating together. That was a part of how we connected. And suddenly that's been pulled away from our culture. And I say suddenly just in the last couple of decades, currently only about 30% of families eat together on a regular basis, according to that data from Harvard I mentioned. And what they found was that when families eat together on a regular basis, the children have a significant increase in consumption of real food, including the intake of essential nutrients that prevent chronic diseases, and a significantly reduced intake of processed foods like chips wow. and soda. All right, one more study. Yeah. Another study, this was a two different studies I'll put together to, to kind of wrap this up. Published in Pediatrics and published okay. in JAMA, they found that when families eat together just three times a week, the children have significantly lower onset or risk of developing obesity and other kind of disordered eating as well. And so again, this is just stacking conditions yeah. for our families by having that practice of something about eating together with your family. This doesn't mean we're automatically gonna eat super healthy food. Okay. And for me, I gotta share this last one, this is super fast. I was like, well, what about if we don't have a lot of money? Because that's where I come from. Yeah. And there was a study that was done and I highlight all of these things, pretty much everything we've covered is in the book as well. Yeah. But looking at minority children who are generally in the context of a low-income community. Yeah. And they found that these children who ate together with their families four times a week, whatever meal, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, four times a week, ended up eating five servings of fruits and vegetables five days a week and significantly lower intake of chips, soda, and other processed foods. There's something What's protected. going on there? What do you think it is? Two things. Well, there's actually five things, but two <laughs> quick things. Number one is that this engages a part of our mind of planning. Right, So humans, we're always kind of thinking about things, questioning things. We've got running questions in our mind, like what are we gonna eat? Like family dinners Wednesday night. So it's just in the back of our mind. And so it's just going to alter our behavior subconsciously to like make sure that we are eating a quote, healthy dinner or a, or a well combined, what we deem to be a healthy dinner, which might be, you know, some fried chicken and potatoes and whatever, but even that is gonna have a tendency towards bringing in some more real food elements. So if I hear you correctly, mm -hmm. if I can restate this, just start by trying to eat together more often and like make that step one. You don't have to switch everything out to organic quinoa and broccoli, you know, yeah. if, if you've been bringing home KFC. Bring home KFC, but this time sit down and eat together and just do this in a way that's gradual and everyone doesn't revolt. Here's why it works is that okay. now you get to see your child. Yeah. You get to see them. You get to really start to understand their 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 character traits, their how they speak, uh, what they're attracted to. That's how you have power to help to change what they're eating. You have to spend time knowing your child. And this is one of the greatest challenges mm. today because we're so disconnected. We all have our devices. Our devices are divisive. They Oof. just are. And with that, they can also be a unifying thing. They have their pros and cons, but at the at the table, this is an opportunity to really see them and for them to feel seen. And that changes the whole game right there in and of itself. So again, 
we come into this like I have a picky eater. We have to be attentive and it's harder today. We can do it though. And this is some of the other things that we talk about because there isn't a one size fits all with any of this stuff, by the way. Mm. And sometimes- Okay, that's fair. And, and by the way, it isn't to villainize that food as well. Like that damn cereal can still be a thing. Let's stack conditions and make sure we're getting in these other things. Okay. And here's another thing that tends to happen is that information from that real food that's coming in. Food isn't just food, it's information. It starts to shift the body's intelligence yeah. and what you start to crave, you know? So all this is kind of stacking conditions for, for people. More than ever, because of our environmental stressors, we need key nutrients that help our bodies to modulate and manage and process stress. A lot of those have to do with micronutrients. Key minerals are essential in running processes to help to even modulate, like shifting our nervous system from the sympathetic fight or flight dominance over to parasympathetic rest and digest recovery. We need certain key micronutrients to do that. Historically, in the last few decades, unfortunately, we turned to these shitty multivitamins that are coming from synthetic sources. That's what I was given. My grandma gave me Flintstone vitamins. All right, I'm biting off the head of Fred and Barney and Dino. And what that really is, it's sugar, synthetic micronutrients, artificial flavors, artificial colors, all of these things that are terrible for a growing, developing human brain and body. Because the emphasis here is on synthetic versions of these micronutrients. A synthetic nutrient, though it might be the same chemical makeup on paper, does not have the underlying intelligence and even more tangibly speaking, the supporting elements, the cofactors found in real food concentrations that magnify its resonance with our human cells. Let's take vitamin E, for example. This nutrient is important for healthy function of our cardiovascular system, cognitive performance, and even the health of our skin. Well, a study that was published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition determined that natural vitamin E from food concentrates has nearly twice the bioavailability of synthetic vitamin E. All right, so again, synthetic versions of this. So these are artificially concocted versus the whole food form and also whole food concentrate. So food-based supplementations. Now, all of my family, my kids in particular, I make sure that they're getting in a concentration of whole food-based micronutrients several times a week at minimum, most of the time every day. And for me, especially for my kids, and in particular with my youngest, I love the formulation of red juice and these kind of red blended red and blue hued superfoods and the Organifi red juice because he loves the way that it tastes and it's just packed with real food nutrition. So in particular, we've got acai that's in there in the journal of agriculture and food chemistry found that acai actually, not just theoretically, it actually raises participants' antioxidant levels, demonstrating how effectively it's absorbed by our gut, by the human digestive system. We actually do absorb the antioxidants. It's not theoretical. There's a resonance here. And acai actually has an ORAC value of 103,000. This means that it's about 10 times the antioxidants of most fruits that you're gonna see in your produce aisle. So it's, again, getting our kids growing bodies, the antioxidants in a concentrated source, but it's kid-tested, parent-approved, tasty. Another ingredient in that red juice blend is actually blueberry. And researchers at the University of Michigan published data finding that blueberry intake 
can potentially affect genes related to fat burning, again, stacking conditions for healthy metabolism. Head over to Organifi.com forward slash model and you get 20% off their red juice blend and also their green juice blend, their incredible gold, everything that they carry actually. It's a really, really special thing that they have going on. Go to Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model. You get 20% off. Again, kid tested, parent approved. Definitely for our kids, red juice is a huge winner. Now back to the show. I told people, you know, everyone loves you and you've been on the show a bunch of times. And so, you know, I told me you're going to be on the show. I told me what we were going to talk about. And I said, when I tell you the concept of this book, which is a mission for you, right? I mean, like this is an initiative. You went into this with an intention. It's about family. It's about the people that we love. And if we, if we say we would lay our lives down for our kids, if we say like, I would do anything to help my child avoid pain, we have to look at what we're doing that's going to cause them pain in the long run. But I asked them, I'm like, when I tell you what the, you know, the title of the book is Eat Smarter and it's, it's a family cookbook and it's about, you know, eating together and eating healthy and, and learning to do these things together. And I said, hit me right away with your first thoughts of why you can't do this. And Sean, like every message, almost every message, very similar themes. Um, we're all busy. No one's home at the same time. All picky eaters. Um, we're just not on the same page. Uh, just a lot of this has to do with we're all going in a million different directions. Mm. So how do we get people like like that's a real thing? Yeah. You know, uh, Elizabeth has volleyball tonight, and um, Duke has uh, football, and so. We're, we're my husband's gonna go this way i'm gonna go that way we're coming home with different, like how do we get them yeah. to do this and mm -hmm. i think we always think dinner yeah but maybe the problem is the culture that's <sighs> that's separating us and creating us so that everybody's running in different directions <sighs> if we say that our family is the most important thing to us and i know many of us would that's what we say but what is our life show how are we actually living our lives and not to say again we've all got responsibilities there's a lot going on my son, he just started playing AAU basketball in Los Angeles. It's a lot. Are yeah. These tournaments, it's like it sucks up so much. But I found creative ways to make this work, right? And so sometimes when we travel, right, this is an opportunity for us to bond. Sometimes even if the game is just, you know, an hour and a half away and we can drive back, maybe we might get a room, him and I, and just spend time together and sit down and eat dinner together. Yeah. And maybe just hang out and then watch a movie after. Like I find ways because he's my priority to connect with him and it's harder today it is it absolutely is but there is a way and so you know even with that being said that's going to be a lot of the the resistance yeah but I, my mission is to let's stack conditions to make it easier for us to make healthier choices let's stack conditions to make it easier to connect and here's another big takeaway for everybody quality over quantity mm. this doesn't mean that you need a whole elaborate whatever you yeah. know two hour whatever this can be 30 minutes of sitting down and having coffee right or you know i make my son this little hot cocoa whenever he's out of school so you know just sitting down and you know having a, a, a beverage together a little snack but just spending time be present wow and putting the devices to the side so you can yes. actually be there with the people yes, you care yes. about i mean that's why i love this book um and people need to get on the pre-order of this book asap depending on when you're listening to this or watching this um because it's it's important. And I know you love your family. I know that you 
will would lay your life down for them and the the studies and the information that you share in this book is so powerful it's these kinds of things that once you know it you can't go back you know what i mean but also that it's almost less about the food and more about the connection and that when you started this episode, our time out today, you said a healthy family, you didn't mention food, but all of these things are only possible if we're connected and we've got to find a way to do that. And so um, the book is Eat Smarter, the family cookbook. Yeah. And people, look, of course, I, I love me, you know, an iPad. I love um, encouraging people to, you're thinking about it right now, so you should go grab the book. Like we'll put a link below in the show description. Is there another place you want to recommend people to go check it out? We got to say this last piece, which is the secret sauce to all of this is the delicious food. My family and Dude. I were big foodies. And so when we're talking recipes. about, listen, but when we're talking about something like my kid with the candy, we have snicker bites in the book. Like we're just upgrading the ingredients. For me growing up, I was a huge fan of breakfast sandwiches, like going yeah. to McDonald's. Yeah. Like I have this upgraded breakfast sandwich that's going to knock your socks off. It's one of my kids' favorite breakfasts. We're big brunch family. We love pancakes. So we have these sweet potato protein pancakes. This has to be done through the the language of deliciousness. Yeah. Right? Give people things that are of equal or like greater value. Like the burgers, value. the, the fry. Yeah. You've got avocado fries, like so many delicious recipes. But um, also it's a beautiful book. It's beautiful. Your family's involved in it and you just, you the love pops off the page. This is a great resource for anyone. Um, but Sean, I know this is something that's really important to you. You've been able to change the cult. You've been able to change the legacy, your family's legacy. And it's pretty powerful to think the thousands, perhaps millions of people's families whose legacies, you have the ability to impact them in this way. Um, and and it, guess what? It it does take work and it takes intention. And I think if you love your family, if you even if you're, it's your spouse, like maybe we're talking to people right now who don't have uh, kids, but you you have family. Maybe you live with your parents. And so I encourage everyone to pick up the book. Thank you. And of course, people can pick it up anywhere. Books are sold, okay. pre-ordered, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and go to eatsmartercookbook.com. Okay. That's where we have all the incredible bonuses, which you are part of the 2023 Family Health and Fitness Summit yes. as well. So you get free admission to that. It's $300 and you get it for free. Okay. So it's going to be amazing. We're doing a bunch of giveaways for fitness equipment and food and all kinds of cool Every stuff. Every time you launch a book, you you put together these incredible bonuses that are just like next level. <laughs> amazing so i will put the link to that so people can go there and get those bonuses because like why wouldn't you right thank you so much for letting me use your studio for being such a great friend and being such an incredible role model to not just uh moms and dads but humans like you're such a great husband and a great friend so i really appreciate you thank you so much Shaleen. that means everything thank you yeah Thank you so very much for tuning into this episode today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. Thank you for being on this journey with me. And this is a celebration. This is the week that the Eat Smarter Family Cookbook is being released in bookstores nationwide. So make sure to be ready to run out and grab your copy. Of course, head over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, online as well, if that's how you like to buy your books. But please support this project. Support your family's health. I promise you, this is going to be a staple for your family for many, many years to come. And again, this is about creating a true tipping point so we can normalize health and wellness. We can normalize family connection. And I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being on this mission with me. 
Eat Smarter Family Cookbook. Grab your copy today and of course head over to eatsmartercookbook.com for some cool bonuses. We've got so many incredible things in store for you. Powerful masterclasses and world-class guests coming your way very, very soon. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.